Cinema Jaws sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store. And we thank them for their support. You're listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Cards Against Humanity in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is... Ride the movie guy, and sitting behind the glass is producer Pat. Hey guys, how's it going? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we're like brothers here on Cinema Jaw, right? I it's guess the so. the brotherhood of Cinema Jaw. So it's stepbrothers. We're covering this week our top five favorite brothers in movies. This is a good, this is a good topic, man. You'll recall it wasn't that long ago, probably within the past six months, we did Movie Sisters. Yeah, very and, recently, because uh, Frozen 2 was right. the Right, and the I catalyst. argued with you because you didn't pick all Movie Sisters. And one of my main reasons was we'll probably do Brothers in a future episode. I told you that, and here we're doing it. Well, listen, and Jawheads will recall this wasn't that long ago. I do like to have fun, do a little interpretation, but after you... Uh, told me your reasoning, and I sat down and actually thought about it. I, you're right, Ryan. We should actually stick to actual siblings for this list. We're going to have to pull the tape there, yeah. and, and we're going to have to cut this that. Episode. I agree. Yeah. I've never heard you say I was right. Wow. Well, it's very rare that you are, so mm. that's probably why you've never heard it. Well, we are doing our top five movie brothers, and there's a lot of great uh, siblings that to pick from. And when you got a list like this, you got to have a great guest to help us out. Indeed, yes. Brent Cato is returning for his umpteenth time on the show. He is the executive director of the Chicago Comedy Film Festival. Yep. It is back, the Chicago Comedy Film Festival, taking place here in Chicago, March 19th through the 22nd. Uh, we'll talk to Brent on what's in store uh, for the festival. This Always year. a great time. Yes. Yep. Um, besides that, we do have more going on, do we not, Pat? Yeah, we do, right? In honor of Bloodshot, we are playing Bloodshot Trivia. Nice. Yeah, think okay. of movies with either blood or shot in the title. All right. And, guys, we have a review of the new Pixar film, Onward. Nice. Um, plus, we've been on a roll with the Cinema War yeah, segment. I, I'd say it so. It was something we put to bed for a little bit there. And then and we, we... woke uh, it up. Yeah, we got this machine that is uh, outputting... Cinema War topics, right? And we decided to start throwing things in there because it's, it's quite fascinating on the, the topics it comes up with. Well, it's stuck on the year 2000, which is kind of interesting, kind of annoying. Mm -hmm. But uh, nevertheless, yeah. uh, should we throw something in? Yeah. You had already told me you had a couple of ideas since we're talking about Onward. Yeah. And some of those were uh, Fantasy Adventure. You're right. Brothers. Yeah. Why don't we throw that in? All right. Let's see what it outputs here. All right. Go. Yeah. It's moving. Yeah, moving. I like it. It's making some sounds. It's something's and, happening. And here comes that smell. Here comes that damn smell, Matt. <laughs> All right. Here we go. See, I like this. It's outputting a lot here. It says in the year 2000, there was a fantasy adventure film called Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yes, there was. That, that was starred. A stinker. One Marlon Wayans. 
part okay. of a famous set of brothers. Marlon this... Wayans. Uh-huh. Where is this going? It says here, since you are covering brothers this week, how about this for a Cinema War topic? Who is the better Wayans, Damon or Marlon? Oof. Wow. That is a topic. Well, I would take Damon personally. How about you? I would actually take Marlon. All right. Let's do it. Cinema War. Wow. Wow, that machine's getting smart. It really is. I hope that uh, Brent knows his weigh-ins. I, I, he's going to have to weigh in on this weigh-ins <laughs> battle. <laughs> Plus, before we bring in the guest here, it is Pixar Month. Let's start with a Pixar fact. This has been a blast already. What do you got for us, Pat? All right. This week's Pixar fact In order to reach the widest audience possible, Pixar regularly makes tweaks to its films when introducing them to international audiences. In the case of Inside Out, they made a lot of them. 28 graphic changes to 45 shots, to be precise. We learned that some of our content wouldn't make sense in other countries, director Pete Docter explained. One notable example is the veggies Riley finds distasteful. If you watch the movie in Japan, instead of turning up her nose at broccoli, Riley refuses to eat green bell peppers. Another change is the sport being played in Riley's dad's head. Not all countries are familiar with hockey, so it was changed to soccer in some versions. Hmm. Boo. I say boo. This is not shocking. There was uh, a funny story where uh, me and Matt were out promoting Cinema Jaw. Remember, we would go after recordings while we were out on Division Street, and we would play trivia Mm. at the local bars there. Yeah, I do remember. That was fun. And I remember one of the trivia questions was, who voiced so-and-so in a Pixar film? And on Division Street, you get a lot of uh, tourists there, and there happened to be a large group of people from, I believe, uh, France. And they started screaming an actress's name I had never heard of. And I'm like, what are they talking about? You're completely wrong. It was like I was looking for Ellen DeGeneres in Finding Nemo, you know? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And, and they're, they're yelling an actress. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I remember we went on with the trivia. We got done, and I remember them explaining, like, you understand that's a, you know, so-and-so in France voices Dory and... It's interesting. Well, it's different in every every country. I, I can I can agree with them doing that for voices in an animated film. That makes sense to, to have somebody who speaks uh, a native language for it to come out in other markets. Fine. That's totally fine. Although I still think that those should probably be subtitled. But I'll give them that. But to change like the sport, to change the character's culture, to match the culture of the market, I don't think that that's cool at all. The whole point of art is to share culture. So why not share... Riley's original hockey love with other parts of the world. I agree, but we're talking about minor changes. It's what are they, like, George Lucas over there? Screw that. It's not like they're changing major the, theme of the, the film. Hockey was a, literally a castle in her brain, and you're saying that's not a major change? Mm. Screw that. Nah, I think it's okay. Boo. I say boo. Nah. How about that? Controversy this early in the show? Shocking. Shocking. And and just a note, Jawheads, if you hear me cough or sniffle or if my voice sounds a little nasally, I am under the weather. Corona. Yeah, yeah. probably. All right. Too soon. <laughs> wow. Getting heated already. Hey, man. When I feel strong, I don't hold back. Going to be a fun jaw. So let's get this thing rolling here. As you mentioned, our guest, Brent Cato, he is running the Chicago Comedy Film Festival here in Chicago, March 19th through the 22nd with his wife. He's been on the jaw several times before. Brent, welcome back to Cinema Jaw. Thanks for having me for my umpteenth time. 
Yeah, we were trying to figure out exactly how many, but... Yeah. Can we throw that in the uh, fish tank? How many times has Brent been on Cinema Gel? We'll there's, get an answer. There's the odd time where we did the live in studio during the film fest, right? which was um, a great experience, and our filmmakers loved that. And um, I wish that was... It was hard to, to manage and hard to... It was fun, of, though. It was very fun. And it was also late, much later. At, well, it was probably around this time, but it felt late at night, but... Um, yeah, thanks for having me back. It so, was six beers later. That's what, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what number uh, festival are we on here? This is the 10th iteration. Oh, hey. Yeah, yeah. Number 10. It's well a, done. It's an accolade. That's a milestone. That is a milestone. I wish that we were much like your um, upcoming milestone for for uh, Cinema Jaw. I wish that we had planned it out a little bit better, but um, I'm going to take the air out of everyone's sails and and spoil this, but you know, I have a new kid. We have a kid, yes, so it's like congratulations. big congratulations. We can't man. plan a ten-year anniversary when we're you know going through the daily, daily stuff with our with our new son. Well, that's so, what interns are for, right? Yeah, but they can't plan big things. They can do the little things. We do we have a great group of interns, and but um, so it is. It's the tenth, but you know, we're we've always been just building things little by little and this will be another thing and when we get to 15 or 20 or 25 then we'll really we'll really go go all out you know what you do i'll solve this problem sure. for you brent you go to cafe press or, or any of the other print on demand t-shirt places and just make the the logo with 10th anniversary underneath it print up about 30 40 50 of those say limited edition t-shirts put it on a stand and you're done 10th anniversary. Sounds good. I mean, I would I would like to, you know, make something that was that hot, you know, that people wanted to just really do, grab onto and maybe like 25 of them. You don't have to do a whole bunch, you know. Put it should I put like a small number on each one so it's like the other oh, number like the limited posters, the limited prints and things like that in the in the music world. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just with a Sharpie on the on the tag. Well, uh I'll get with our uh I'll get with our interns and have them. There you go. <laughs> so being someone who runs a festival and seeing the changes, how it evolves, what are we seeing trend-wise in the, the comedy film world? Um, because I know things shifted towards YouTube series. What, what are you seeing out there, Brent? I mean, we get a lot of, a lot of great short stuff, sh- short shorts. We've been sort of, um, you know, I'll, I'll say at the forefront of getting short things. We were one of the first film festivals anywhere to do web series and that so we were and that was like 2011 um so there's definitely a lot of, of short content that's really popular I, I think we're just continuing to see people with the the sort of democratization of platforms and, and the ease of having um the equipment and stuff i think we just keep seeing better and better films every year that are um done <coughs> done really well with good quality and that don't look any different than what you'd see coming out of a studio. So I think that's, um, maybe that's just more of like a long-term trend, but, um, I don't Just a rise in production values yeah, in general. Yeah. I think, I think, and I think that's also just something for our festival. Um, we started out with really great films and we've sort of prided ourselves on making sure that we have really top quality films. Not that we don't accept a little, um, up and coming kind of filmmaker work, but just 
that you know you're going to come to the film festival and see really good stuff and that that it's out there and yeah. you just have to find it and that's part of our job as like a quote unquote curator of that sort of content to to bring that to people and well you, you guys usually bring a like celebrity or two to some of the red carpet events and, and any uh, anybody cool coming um, down this year Lauren Lupkiss from Orange is the New Black she's pretty um, she's from Evanston and uh, went to DePaul Theater School. Her and her husband, Mike Castle, who's also a Chicagoan, kind of um, working his way up as an actor. And Wait, and which character does she play on Orange is the New Black? She's the security guard who okay. is sort of like the, probably would be described as like the geeky security guard. Okay. Um, yeah. Great, great character Hell on, yeah. that, uh, on that show. And she's got, she's actually in two films. She produced and wrote a film of her own and then she's in another one too that just sort of happens but yeah Ollie's lots of celebrities um in films some some do show up it just it varies usually if it's like their film or they're involved they a lot of times they try to show up if they're not super busy with something else um but yeah just a great great lineup international films um some some great all across the board, different styles from super short to features, web series, music videos, pilots, all, all the all the things you could hit in a film festival weekend. We we got them. Nice. Yeah. For, it's good variety. For more information, if people are in in the city, they want to come out to the festival, where should we guide them? Uh, ChicagoComedyFilmFestival.com. You can get tickets there. Uh, you can see the lineup and learn about all the films, find the trailers. And, um, yeah, just come on out. It's at Columbia College, 1104 South Wabash, down in the South Loop, and Thursday through Sunday. This is a good one for networking, too. So I was going to say. If yeah. you're in the area, this is totally worth uh, attending. Like we mentioned, there are some celebrities, but a lot of the filmmakers and stuff. It's I've mm-hmm. met some really interesting people at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely do great networking and have a lot of filmmakers coming in from L.A. and New York and elsewhere that it's good to just to meet with. But for sure, like a lot of the Chicago comedy um, film community and people that are, you know, have just worked on something or are getting ready to work on something. So it is a, for sure a great networking opportunity. You hear that, Pat? You should go to this one. Okay. It's a man of many words oh, over there. Oh, unbelievable, Pat. Um, and for the jawheads that want to follow you on Twitter, um, should we guide them to your Twitter handle? Yeah, my Twitter handle, um, I mean, mostly I'm doing most of my stuff through my film production company now, um, Flowfield Films, at Flowfield Films, pretty much everywhere. Um, and then the film festival, just the normal, you know, Chicago Comedy Film Festival on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And yeah, that's where you can find find me and us, and those are the main accounts. Do it, Jawheads. Check Absolutely. them out. Um, we're celebrating Pixar here all month, and I'd like to put you on the spot here, Brent. Do you have a favorite Pixar film? So, I mean, I'm going to have to become a, a Pixar expert now that I'm going to, you know, be well, showing. You're, yeah, you're yeah. a daddy now. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm as a recent uncle, I've gotten a little bit of a taste of it, and I've have realized that I don't know what is what is what on a Pixar film, but one that I've seen and I really like, and it has a unique um, perspective, I think, is Coco. I really like that oh, one. That's... I think that it's, you know, it's diverse. I was just reading that it's the first 
um, I think it said all Hispanic casts mm-hmm. to reach a certain milestone at the box office. So, and I, I think it's, you know, it's a good story. It's about music, Day of the Dead, all that interesting stuff. It's got a really, and it's probably one of five that I've seen. Mm. I'm, They're all I, high quality though, yeah. so it's tough to pick one, but that's a damn good one. Being a new father, have you already started giving thought on what the first film you'll show? Ooh, your son. The first, like the first film that's just there, or the first film when he can digest it. First film that he can digest. Ooh, wow. So that one, that that's one that you gotta, you know. I mean, as my as my wife and I would say, well, we'll show him our films first, and then right. <laughs> then he can work his way up, I guess. Um, no, I haven't thought of that. I have not movies. I've we've I've maybe had some TV shows on in the background. That um, just very early on when it was kind of 24-7, just watching your son. Um, but Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, yeah. The first month or whatever when mm-hmm. it's just like up up all the time or between the two of us up all the time. So I haven't. Um, it's tough. It's going to have to be kind of age appropriate. Age probably. six is when I did Star Wars. So it's the long wait to get to age six. But when it's there and you're showing your son yeah, Star yeah. Wars, it's uh, it's damn fine and moment. I, and I'm not going to, at age six, I'm not going to show him train spotting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I might, I will at 16 or probably mm-hmm. younger. I know. Yeah. My older kid is starting to get to that age where I can finally start showing him some more adult movies, you know? And, uh, yeah, it, it's cool to get to like show him trains. I'm not going to show him train spotting, but like, right. you know, scarier stuff. Train spotting too. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Much more family friendly. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Well, Brent is sitting in on this entire jaw. He has his top five movie brothers picked out here. Mm. Um, going to be a, a, a good jaw, isn't it, Matt? Hell yeah, Ryan. All right. Always is. Let's keep it rolling. These days, when you hear the names Chris Pratt and Tom Holland have a new film out, you assume it is the latest from Marvel. Not the case. The two stars have lent their voice to the new Pixar film, Onward. A film about two brothers. A film about discovering magic. A film with a gelatinous cube. Matt and I jumped in our Cinema Jaw van and drove to the theater to see if Pixar still has some magic to offer up in their storytelling. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. <gasps> no way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm going to meet Dad. As we learn early on, the world of Onward used to be filled with all kinds of magic. However, as time has passed and items were invented, magic was pushed to the side and forgotten. We meet the Lightfoot brothers, Ian, a shy high school student voiced by Tom Holland, and his older brother, Barley, a boisterous, big-hearted goofball voiced by Chris Pratt. Their father, who had passed away when they were very little, has left them his wizard staff. Upon receiving this, they try to cast a spell to bring their father back for a day. The spell is cut short, so they only get half the result they were hoping for. Now, they must go on a quest to complete the spell and have a little father and son time. 
With over 20 films under their belt, it is now safe to make this statement. Not all Pixar films are created equal. Better yet, not all Pixar films seem to have the full resources behind them from the get-go. Onward has a lot of things to like, and we're going to get to those, Matt. But while watching it, I felt like I was watching a middle-tier Pixar film. The story is not as realized. The adventure of it feels watered down. Matt, am I crazy here, or does Onward feel weaker than other pivotal Pixar works? Ryan, I hate to say it, but you're not crazy. This movie feels as though it suffered from some bad testing and editing after the fact. And since that fact we learned earlier in the show, maybe they're just trying to change things for different markets, there's no way that what we got on screen was on the page. It's not a terrible movie. It's just that I expect something more from Pixar, and it ain't this. The premise is quite clever, and we get a sprinkling of Weekend at Bernie's, which I thought was really, really smart. Another highlight is the character, the Manticore, voiced by Octavia Spencer, who was once a brave and terrible adventurer herself, but now her tavern is more like a Chuck E. Cheese than a shadowy hive of heroes and villains. Also, I like how the film ended. It was very satisfying, even if the journey could could be a little contrived at times. What brings it down is a lack of depth. Perhaps this will take multiple viewings, but I just didn't get that world richness that I have from an inside out, or even a Cars, frankly. The world they inhabit, so interesting, only gets lip service and the briefest of explanations. A zoom out there would have also just been great. Also, I'm just going to go ahead and say that someone in casting must have mixed up Chris Pratt's headshot with Jack Black's. Much to the movie's detriment, Pratt is okay at best as the bumbling barley. Last, the animation. Again, it's good. Fine. It's fine. But nothing here blew me away. Nothing was new. No envelope was pushed. Meh. So, Rye, Brent, do you think it's fair of me to expect more from Pixar? Well, I, don't, I think it is fair because their track record, right? They brought this upon themselves by being so excellent in those first, you know, 15 or so films when right. you look back at them. They've had some duds. Now, yes. Let's say the first 10. I mean, it was just hit after hit after hit after hit. Uh, when they came out of the gate. And all of a sudden, it started to become this idea around town that, well, they can't make a mistake. And eventually, they did. Brave. You know. Yeah. Well, you could pick a lot of worse than Brave. You know. Now, I think Brave was really the first kind of chink in the armor. No, I wouldn't go there. No? Um, Cars 2. Cars 2 is after Brave. Throw it in the fish tank, will you? Chronologically, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay, we'll, we'll see. But okay. anyways, I don't want to get hung up on that. Um, but so I think you're, you're fair in, in the assessment of saying that you want more out of your Pixar. Pixar. You yeah. hold them at a high standard. <clears throat> I'm, I, I think I'm hitting on where, where it, it never was going to be that high standard Pixar film, I think, from the, the whole get-go. It's not like the film fails no, as I much it, as uh, it, it didn't strive as hard as those other ones or it didn't have the full team working on it like you do see uh, Coco or so on and so forth. Right. Coco had a fully baked concept. They had a world that was really rich and, and hyper-developed. I think that the concept is there and Onward. They just failed to develop the world, and, and they must have left something on the cutting room floor because the movie just doesn't kind of gel. There's something missing here. Well, the humor, I didn't laugh at a, a much of the humor. And yeah, it was okay. Going into this, I have an older brother. 
So checkmark there because there, this film has to do with you know brothers and brotherhood. <coughs> and I played Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. So yeah, I me too. I was going to get a lot of the the references because this movie, you know, is an homage to Dungeons and Dragons. Pretty much to, to some degree. Even that and, I think was under. And this creative idea that that Matt uh, we haven't fully explained is this idea that since the magic is gone, it, it's still there, but it, it's just the uh, magic was in you all along, <laughs> Ryan. But it's just. Not visible anymore, right? So like you were saying, now it's a chunky cheese. It used to be a lair. Um, there was one fabulous moment where they got to go get a, a, a sword, a particular sword, and it's now a pawn shop. That and, was kind of cool, yeah. And it has that kind of uh, feel where they're in the real world, so it's grounded in the real world, but they're in a... It was a cobalt behind the, the counter at, the, at right. the pawn shop. But they're but they're little you know tidbits in it that shows that like this was this you know, fantasy world around them if you had the imagination to believe that they're still on this adventure and they got to get the sword from here to go to the lair for this, for so on and so forth. You're right. Not fully realized. Probably the humor I didn't think was all... Chris Pratt all blows great. it here. He just blew it. Yeah, probably the wrong casting. I agree with that as much. It was um, Jack Black all over. I mean, basically made for him. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. But at the same time, it's not a bad movie. I, no. don't, I don't want to steer anybody away. If, I, I think most would enjoy this. Yeah, I, I had the pleasure of bringing my 12-year-old son, Parker, to this, which uh, he gets a kick out of going to these press screenings when he can. And he enjoyed it. But even Parker was kind of meh with it. It was It's a, it's a middle-of-the-road Pixar, mm-hmm. which is sad to say. Yeah. Any other highlights in there? Um, I got one which was... I mean, the animation we commented wasn't fantastic, no. but if there was one moment in there where I thought, this is what I wanted more of, was a dragon pops up in a big action sequence, and the dragon is actually made up of a building. And right. It's more like a, like a creature that kind of looks like a dragon. Correct. If that makes sense. And that, it was very imaginative on how, they, how it was created, how it looked, the face of the dragon in particular was awesome. I loved I all of that. I could have used a lot more of that idea and that imagination throughout the entire film. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick one more highlight, I would say Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, her character, she plays the mom. Her character has a decent arc. She's kind of fun to follow with her adventure. Decent. But they could have gave them more because she I ends agree. up getting involved with the Octavia Spencer right. character. And, and they're on their own side adventure, but they just get lost and sort of forgotten for yeah. about 30 minutes at a time. You've got to bring them back at some point. I agree. There's kind of like another, a bunch of little plot holes that don't get satisfactorily wound up, like like the, the mother's new boyfriend and even the punk pixies that they meet. A whole bunch of stuff that I would have liked to see wrapped up. Now that you say the, the uh, mother's new boyfriend, who is, uh, what do you call them? A centaur. A centaur, Yes. I do like there was a, a scene where they had to uh, mimic the centaur with this spell, and that entire <laughs> sequence was pretty good. It was okay. That at least was funny, and I was, I guess I so. was along for the ride there. But again, I didn't hate this movie by any means. I think it's, it's like barely recommending for a Pixar movie, which is disappointing for me. Right. That's the thing. I expect more from Pixar. I expect an inside out. I expect something brilliant, and yeah. this ain't brilliant. Got a movie poster quote for us? I do. Will Onward be remembered as top-tier Pixar? Shake my magic eight ball. It's not in the stars. Hmm. I went with, we find some magic here, but just not enough of it.
You're, you're poo-pooing my quote? <laughs> I didn't poo-poo. Okay. Yeah. How many jaws? I give this one one and a half jaws. Wow, you are tough. I'm going two and a half jaws. Two and a half? Yeah, it's a slight recommend. I mean, I might slight be recommend. I might be convinced to go ahead and give it two, but dude, two and a half. That's two generous. Two and a half jaws. No. It you ain't were, there. You were touched at the end. It did have a good ending. See? It sticks the landing, that I gave, suppose. That gave it the extra half jaw. All right. The theme of, of brothers is so hard in this one. Um, we went in, I was joking before we uh, hit record, we went in thinking we were going to do father-son relationships, then after seeing the movie, switched gears and decided to do top five yeah. brothers because brotherhood in this movie is, is the theme. That is what it's all about, it for really sure. It really is. Yeah. Um, so that is our top five this week. And uh, Brent, I don't know, do you have a brother? I do, yeah. Older, younger? Younger. Younger. So you're mm. the older. I'm the, the older. The, the wise. <coughs> I'm, the, I'm the elder. <laughs> did you did you like torment him and bully him when he was a kid? Yeah. How much older are you? We were we were uh, way too close in age, um, like a year and a half apart. So that's, um, and you know, he hit that point maybe when I was sixteen and he was fourteen and a half when he was much bigger and stronger than me. I so think you've told me this yeah, before, probably, <laughs> which. Now it's it's great, but at the time that's you know that's a that's a balance of power shift, right? right? Like so, um, and he's still he's a crazy weekend warrior athlete who like rides like a hundred miles in a day <coughs> on, on a bicycle. A, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. He's he's intense. <laughs> well, this is I good. like I like to be in shape, but right. he's intense. He's so anyway. He's still like. You know, physically fit, more physically fit than I am. I like that all three of us have brothers and have the relationship uh, in mind as we go into the, sure. this list. Was it a easy list for you to come up to, or did you have trouble narrowing it down? I had trouble narrowing it down only because you know this is my umpteenth time on the show. I wanted to avoid um, the, the the easy ones that I thought mm. you all would might pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to. Like I always try to do, I wanted to try to find movies that resonate had resonated with me personally <clears throat> beyond the brother relationship, films that I remembered from the past or that had some sort of personal meaning to me. So overall, it wasn't that difficult, but narrowing it down was a little difficult. Um, but but we'll see if we have any any crossover or and there's one in here that I mean, it's just gonna send one of you two into a into oh, a real tizzy. Oh, boy. Uh, probably Ryan. I well, can't wait. You're getting us started. What do you got sitting at number five, Brent? <laughs> number five, From Dusk Till Dawn. Ooh, the Gecko Brothers. Gecko. George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, directed by Rodriguez. Um, just a good one to get us started with. Uh, kind of, this was like at the height of Tarantino's directing prowess sort of early on directing prowess and he came out you know just as acting in this which i think he did a really good job he did a great job yeah probably his best acting role yeah and um you know this has now been turned into a tv show or was i'm I'm not sure what the status on it is uh but a great a great movie has has the extreme violence there that i'm not a huge fan of but everything else it's a it's a great story um you know a, a good one to be told in the sort of action light horror drama or genre tom savini plays sex machine in this movie 
the guy with the with the gun that pops up from his cod piece. Uh-huh. And he was actually the guy that did all the special effects makeup for the early slasher films like Friday the 13th, a legend in the SFX makeup world, nice. Tom Savini. Yeah. All right. That, that's it. That's all I got for this, you know? That's, that's it. <coughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's fine. That's a great one. All right. So swinging it over to me at number five, Ryan and Brent, I have four brothers, four brothers that were incredibly influential to me. Uh, when I first came across this movie, I think I was about 10 years old, um, maybe maybe 11 or 12, somewhere in that neighborhood. And the brothers' names were Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, oh, and Raphael. Just Ooh. terrible. Just terrible. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. And I don't think it's terrible at all. <coughs> How bad is this? Didn't see that listen, one coming. Listen, yeah. I'm not talking about the Michael Bay crap. Oh if you go back God. to the original... Ryan, you have no You're childhood. about green turtles. You know, and it occurs to me, Brent, you, you may not be too into the turtles either. Where's Phil when I need him? I mean, oh when the t- I'm a slightly older than you, so when the turtles came, were at their height, I was past, like, it being influential. Either so. way, I mean, the turtles Shut are... Shut up, Ryan. Listen, there's a million jawheads right now they that, that, that want to throw their this. iPods at your face. <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is way better than it should have been. You got to see somebody already. This is a, this is a the, problem. The animatronic effects were were pretty damn good for the time. The action fight sequences were actually kind of brutal. The message is is dark and heavy. What and year what year was it again? 96 90 89 I want to say. 89? Oh wow, throw it. <laughs> throw it in the fish tank. Yeah, I don't know case. for sure. Let's find out. I mean, I love the turtles. I put this one at number 5 unapologetically. It is a movie I watched maybe a hundred times, and I love it to this day. That's, that explains a lot. It's entertainment value. You, you can't go more different than our, our, our number fives here. He goes with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're I, great brothers. I went with a 2015 Icelandic film. Oh, it was 2015 Icelandic film. What you got? You're such a nerd. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it's about two uh, sheep farmers. Who are brothers? <laughs> uh-huh. This is a true story. I mean, the movie's not a true story. I mean, true story that I do have this as my number five. Um, yeah, we're living this reality too. All right. the 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 name of the film. I remember. I I don't watch a bunch of Icelandic films, right? But this one was starting to catch some buzz, and I caught up with it. And it really is a great movie, and needs is to be Bjork mentioned. in it. Is not huh. uh, when we're talking brothers because the whole film is about. These two brothers who are, like I said, sheep farmers. The name of the film is called Rams. And it, I've never even heard of this movie. <laughs> I've heard of it. This, but, yeah. this it's really good. So you, you got like this this drunk uh, brother who's in isolation. These two uh, live basically on the same uh, farm, more or less, but keep their own herds of uh, sheep. And this is where, you know, the, the herds of sheep I- is everything. I mean, there's contests on who has the best herd, the, the best sheep that goes on. This is what happens in Iceland. <laughs> and, and you made fun of me for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, so the, the one of the brothers is a drunk and is in isolation, doesn't like talking to the other one. Um, and he ends up having this award-winning sheep at the beginning. He's so proud of this. Um, but it, it comes to find out that the sheep has uh, the disease Scrappy, which can once it's infected in one sheep, it, it can ruin an entire country's uh, 
sheep. Uh-oh. So the, the idea is But this just, is a prize sheep. Right. But the idea then at that point that what they're supposed to do is actually... Slaughter the is sheep. Slaughter all the sheep. And, in, in you know, both, both brothers, since they're shearing the farm, should get rid of all the sheep. Um, but really, it's a metaphor because neither of them are married or have offspring. And killing off the, the sheep becomes this metaphor for the end of the bloodline of the brothers, right? And eventually, one of the brothers decides to hide some sheep. And this is what brings the two brothers together. It's, it's a great movie. It's an odd movie for jawheads out there looking for something completely different. Rams. It's good. I'm, I wouldn't recommend it if it wasn't good. If we were picking right. a, a winner of each round of the top five, I would have slaughtered you two with that. <laughs> I, you both came up short of from I, Well, I, I respectfully disagree, but I think you definitely beat Ryan for wow, sure. Wow, tough crowd. I got Rams number one. All right, into our fours we go. All right, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let this. When I say it, I'm gonna let it settle, and you guys can. This is the one that was gonna upset you. At number four, I have the original, the documentary, Grey Gardens. I it can't it upset me because I don't know. It. Yeah, I've seen it, and I I I would I'm upset because you're talking about a mother daughter relationship here, right? Yes. Who are the two brothers? The two brothers are the filmmakers ah, who right. are the Maisel brothers, uh, who are actually seen in the movie because it's a cinema verte yeah. sort of uh, approach. One of the most influential documentaries of all time. And um, I'm not faulting the film. I love the film. But those are my brothers in a film because this is a film and two filmmakers that have resonated with me. I, for some reason, I thought of that as a brother. Um, you know, they don't make maybe a very brief visual appearance in a, in a mirror. There's a, they get caught in a shot, but their voices are heard throughout. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a classic piece of cinema. I even like the, the Drew Barrymore dramatic version that they made on HBO. I I think that was, but yeah, do highly recommend checking out the, the original documentary. Wonderful. That's my four gray gardens, the documentary. Nice. All right. That swings it over to me. And, uh, I put two brothers that uh, I heard things about, Ryan. I heard some things. Jake and Joey LaMotta, played by Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro in Raging Bull. Mm. Now you're on target here. Yeah. Good one. This yeah. is way and, and better than the Turtles. And I was on target than Turtles. The no. Turtles are awesome. There's no shells They're in this one. They're formative to many, many There's people. There's no nunchucks. There's Boxer, though. They still beat each other up. And those two, I think this movie kind of, obviously, sort of, made those two in a way they they have roles prior to this but perhaps like it was the, the the weight transformation of robert de niro that really sort of cemented him as a a method actor somebody to really watch and be respected although i guess he had done godfather previous to this i'm not sure no that was godfather 2 that he was in anyway doesn't matter still would have came out before this but raging bull man pesci and de niro in this movie just show us everything that we just got again in um, The Irishman. They, they're just absolute titans. And to see them together on screen, it's like peanut butter and jelly. They're not real brothers in real life, but they play brothers so well. They, they, their relationship is just palpable. Mm. I don't know. You, you can feel it. It jumps off the screen. It's a great one. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely would have. It was one of those that I sort of avoided because I thought it would be a popular pick. Yeah. Mm. yeah. My number four came out in 2007. And when I give you the brothers here, uh, two fine actors, but I don't know if you see them in your minds as being brothers, but it really worked in this film. 
Uh, the actors here that, that played the siblings are Philip Seymour Hoffman and Ethan Hawke. And they got together and made one tremendous movie entitled Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And uh, this is Sidney Lumet's, I believe, his last film. Um, and it is about, get this, two brothers who hatch a plan to rob their parents' jewelry store. And this is partly because their parents aren't shout, uh, sharing any of the wealth with them, and they want some of that money. They come up with a, a plan that they think is, is foolproof, and they're going to rob their own parents' jewelry store, not show them that it's them. And, of course, it goes completely haywire. The film is broken up to show the storyline from various different parties involved in the robbery and what they were doing on that particular day. I remember so you telling me about this movie. It jumps around, so you see exactly what the parents were doing, you know, what Ethan Hawke was doing leading up to this, what Philip Seymour Hoffman was doing, and how it all collides at this robbery that just goes awry. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's thrilling. It's funny. It's, it's sad in some ways. Uh, dark can't recommend it enough. What's the name of it one more time? Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Okay. That's that's one I'll check out. There you go. Not those sheep farmers or whatever. <laughs> I, re- I, I know I saw it. I don't remember that it really resonated with me quite like that, but definitely doesn't seem like two people that you put together as right. brothers, but I guess that's, that's yeah. the that's good That's part of what makes it, it work. Yeah, 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 right, right. All right, I'm going way, way back here. For uh, my third pick, back to the 1950s mm. and back to something that obviously I wasn't alive, but it was something that came to me through film school, um, East of Eden, James Dean's, James Dean's first movie where um, based on East of Eden, you know, the Steinbeck mm-hmm. novel, uh, one of the storylines of the novel follows the Trask family and three brothers. So I remember this movie as... Um, I had a professor in um, film school who showed a lot of these movies from that time period and got me interested in all the James Dean movies. But I became particularly enamored with him like many people because he's the prime example of a cool ex-Hoosier, mm-hmm. which I am too. So I'm an ex-Hoosier, not a cool ex-Hoosier. <laughs> so um, great movie. One of the top, you know, a classic piece of cinema, um, three great brothers based on, you know, a great novel. So there we go. I have to admit, a film I have not seen. No. You either? No. I wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't for geeking out in film school. I am going to catch up with this one, though. I am going to catch up with it. I, You know, yeah, James Dean is somebody I need to catch up with totally. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've seen some Marilyn Monroe stuff, but I never caught up with the James Dean stuff, so. I got to check it out. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about James Dean is there's only three. It's easy to catch up. There's right. There's only like three things. Sadly, yeah. A few, uh, you know, good uh, documentaries or biopics that you can watch, and that's about it. But he's, um, yeah, he's kind of fits that role of sort of an American icon and a tragedy and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, for number... For number three, I have two brothers played by Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery. And Willem Dafoe was also in this movie, as well as Billy Connolly, Boondock Saints. 
You guys seen this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan of Boondock Saints. But speaking of documentaries, I think one of the things that continues to make this film so interesting and relevant is the documentary about Troy Duffy, the filmmaker, who after making Boondock Saints, is kind of a classic example of letting your success get to your head and went off the deep end. There may have been some other issues going on with him uh, at, at the time. I highly recommend checking out the documentary. It's almost better than the movie, and I love this movie. Obviously, it's number three on my list. Can't remember the name of the doc, though. Throw it in the fish tank. It's about the making of Boondock Saints and the filmmaker in particular. They made a sequel, but nothing can touch the original Boondock Saints. Mm. I've only seen it one time. So mm. I, I remember being a fan of it, but I mean, like you saying it now, I, I think I got to go back and watch the movie. I think you, you do. It's one that's really worth rewatching, especially because like the subsequent careers of all the people involved has become so interesting. Going back to this touch point makes it all the more relevant today, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, this is a good, is, there's a show on out on this now, I think, right? There's a show, Boondock Saints. There may have been. I know there was at least a sequel, and that's part of what Troy Duffy was like pushing for for years. He, he just sort of got wrapped up in this one property and wanted to make more in a sequel. So Yeah, yeah I can't remember if, there, if I saw the show. I thought I did. But yeah, that was a great, a great film and definitely like hit. I think it was one of those that sort of like hit at the right time and maybe if you don't have anything else in your wheelhouse it's kind of hard to match that but it's like if harmony corinne made lock stock and two smoking barrels and i was thinking about lock stock and two smoking barrels if this was if this movie was before or after i think it's before so it's, we fact check that too pat because that's tank. that if it's before then it's definitely gives it way more credence than if it was after because if it's after it's, I want to say it was before the emergence of Guy Ritchie. So this was 99, so I guess we'll find out. Could be. I, I don't remember. I'm, gonna, I'm pretty sure locks. Yeah, it's close. It is. It is close. Uh, my number three film about brothers, you know if it has the title Brothers in the movie title, it's got to it's gotta be good. There's a bunch of ways you can go here. Right. Uh, this one came out in 2008. <laughs> I'll give you the brothers this time were Mark Ruffalo and Adrian Brody. Yeah. In Ryan Johnson, second film, he had directed Brick. His sophomore effort was a film entitled The Brothers Bloom. And they play brothers that are orphaned that turn to a world of uh, conning people. And it starts when they're just young kids. So it's actually pretty cute. And, And the whole film actually revolves around... Um, the reason why they were trying to do this con was so that the uh, the older brother could get the younger brother to actually talk to kids and girls. Well, eventually now we catch them when they're older, and it's Mark Ruffalo, Adrian Brody, and they decide to do a con on a rich uh, heiress played by Rachel Weiss. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> of course, she's a complete goofball in this movie, it, which makes it hilarious because she's a complete a wild card that they didn't see coming um, and you don't know who to trust. And eventually she gets in on the, the next con and you get this nice little team together that, uh, you know, stir up something rather big. And it's a really touching ending between the two brothers that uh, really made me think of it for this list. I don't know if enough people have seen the brothers bloom, but I do recommend it. Hmm. 
Have you seen him? I've Brick? seen it, and I saw um, his. I saw Brick. Something about the filmmaker and his style doesn't really resonate with me very well. But did you see Knives Out? No. Mm. Is that his? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't You're going to love Knives okay. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen the hype about it. I guess I didn't really realize that that was his um, his work. But yeah. I've seen those those two, and I remember Brothers Bloom, but. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you kind of on Brothers Bloom. It didn't grab me either. Hmm. It's like an okay hmm. for me. But I'm a fan of Ryan Johnson in, in general. I definitely, as I go into my number two, was looking really hard for movies that had brother in the title. <laughs> and I was also, I'll, I'll save this for the end and come back to it. I don't want to spoil any of your other ones. But for my number two, this is a must watch for all filmmakers and all screenwriters is adaptation. Oh yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I, I also was, went down a rabbit hole a little bit of trying to find an actor who played, you know, both roles as a brother or something. And, but this is one of, one of my favorite movies and, um, you know, Nicholas Cage as the Kaufman brothers and just, um, so much, well, they gave the Oscar to a fictional character. Yeah, so much meta layers in the whole thing. Yeah. And um, Spike Jones is a great director. And just there's so much to this. And um, I, I think that, again, I think that it's kind of one of those easy, light must-watch for like a filmmaker, screenwriter, just like the the lighter side of being part of the industry and sort of the writer's block and all that stuff. But it, it's got a good good other stories that go there. Yeah, it does. With it. And it's like an cast. onion. You got Meryl Streep in there, Chris Cooper, obviously Nick Cage, dual role. I agree. Yeah, double it, Nick Cage. It's fantastic. You had me at double Nick Cage, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> All right, back over to me at number two. I have two of the most iconic movie brothers in history. Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise play the Babbitt brothers in Rain Man. Mm. I figured this would come up. I think what it is for me, uh, because it is a cliche at this point, the movie is, is, is iconic in the sense that it's, you know, you'll see it painted on the walls of movie theaters when you, when you go up the escalator, you, that's what you see. Um, but it becomes really touching at the end. That's, that's what it, it sort of got me when he finally realizes, and spoiler alert for a 30 year old movie. So he finally realizes that, um, he is the rain man, the, that his brother was his hero, the, the one that protected him. It was such a moment, you know? It, it got me. That's like a good father-son story, like gets you in the feels, and that's harder to do with brothers. But Rain Man knocked it out of the park, just knocked it out of yeah. the park. And, and the whole journey of him originally picking up Dustin Hoffman and having those annoyances early on, uh, right. just going along to getting to the point of you know really caring for him, um, and having that brotherly love finally come through, it's 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 fantastic. It really is. It's a great movie. Uh, Tom Cruise equally as good in that as Dustin Hoffman, I think, as the straight guy. I I, I would say sh- sure. I mean, that's the the time when he was really putting out some good <coughs> good acting movies before he just kind of became a action hero. Action hero cliche of himself. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yep. Tough tough movie. Uh, the time that that came out, I kind of feel like it was sort of a, what was the word you used of what it has become? A cliche. Yeah, I mean, it felt 
even if I remember it, I probably would have been 20 when it came out or so that it was kind of, it felt like a cliche of itself at the time really quick, just because of the, the hype around it, the hype and the making fun of the rain man and using Mm -hmm. that as like a device to be funny, like Mm, for kids. And it did seep into sort of our, our, the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but I definitely thought it was another one that would come one of a few that would come up for sure. Yeah. My number two, I mean, if Brent can have brothers, you know, making a movie uh, qualify as one of his picks, I might as well have one as well. But it's brothers on screen as well. This one came out in 2017. um, But just this past year, the Safdie brothers made uh, big noise when they made Uncut Gems. But in 2017, they teamed up with Robert Pattinson. And they made Good Time. And I've been recommending this movie a ton because now everybody's seeing uncut gems and they're like, oh, I love this movie. And I say, go back. Just even, I mean, they've got other films, but if you just want to see something, it's streaming on Netflix now. You can watch Good Time. And in here, Robert Pattinson and actually Benny Safdie, who is one of the directors, plays his brother. And he's a a mentally challenged brother who he goes to get out of this uh, learning center and and right away takes him to rob a bank. And it seems uh, this, I mean, Pattinson's just flying off the seat of his pants. Seems like they're going to get away with it, but the, the ink dye from one of the packs goes off and all hell breaks loose. And his brother ends up getting caught and he feels awful about this. And now he's got to somehow get his brother out of jail and it's one bad thing after another because he's just sort of clumsy and dumb and doesn't know what he's doing. And so he just keeps falling into more and more trouble. Yeah. And rough situations. It's funny. It's thrilling. It's, it's that same type of energy that uncut gems produced where it's a feverish energy while you're watching the movie. So if you've saw that Jawheads and you enjoyed it, do check out good time. It's, it's right up there with it i loved it pattinson is underrated oh he is extremely underrated he's probably deserves way more due as an actor it's a good it's a good film i don't remember what what year did it come out uh 2017 fairly recent Mm -hmm. yeah i i I watched it i think that it seems like it did have maybe like almost too frenetic of an energy that it's like hard to watch at times Mm -hmm. if i maybe if i'm thinking right but or maybe it's just frustrating the sort of idiocy of some of the things that yeah, happens. That yeah. happens to him. That was my number two. Good time. Into our ones we go. What do you got sitting there, Brett? All right. Number one, this is this is more maybe for what the movie, how I feel about it, but um, a great, great, one of the great directors, um, and this is the Royal Tenenbaums, Chaz and Richie Tenenbaum. Ah, oh, good one. And I, this movie is... Um, I was and, wondering when Wes Anderson would come up. Yeah, he's yeah. he had a few. He sure did. Brother, oh, yeah. great brother movies, and this this one is, um, you know, just a classic, special to me. One of those that I remember seeing at the time and thinking, you know, I want to make make movies. One of those kind of things. I think I mentioned that with at least one movie in my top five every time. Like just the thing that you saw, where it's like I want to create that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, wonderful movie. I mean, most people have probably seen it, so there's not a lot to build out on. But, yeah, great great family dynamic, great characters. That's what he's the best at. And I was also thinking that um, with a lot of these 
sort of auteur directors that um, this kind of stuff he creates would be so ripe for television, but he's sort of stayed away from that, which a lot of those kind of directors have. But I mean, this, you know, the the kind of worlds that he creates are perfect for like TV, today's TV, smart TV. Right. Um, With high production value budgets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Royal Tenenbaums, Richie and Chaz Tenenbaum, number one. I like it. Um, at number one, first I want to say, when we did our sister's episode, I forgot to shout out my sister. So I'm going to shout her out again because I feel bad. She's my only family member who listens to every episode. So Jenny, thank you. Thank you for listening. And since we're doing brothers, I got to say Jeff, who doesn't listen to my show. Uh, shout out to my brother. Yeah, screw Jeff. Yeah. But uh, I started my list with a group of brothers who support one another and hold each other up, and their success is completely due to their relationship as brothers. Even if you poo-poo the movie, Ryan, you have to admit that that's true. At number one, I put uh, a relationship that has become toxic, and one brother is pulling the other one down. There's an attempt to, to heal that damage, to reverse it, and... I'm talking about American History X, Edward Furlong and Edward Norton. I like this one. Yeah. Why did you think I'd poo-poo it? No, I mean you poo-pooed my number five. Oh, okay. Yeah, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If you're talking brothers, you got to talk about the turtles. But you also have to talk about American History X. Top-tier film. Um, There's so much here. It's still, sadly, very relevant with with the racial uh, message in the movie. But it's also a lot about the brother relationship because he sees the influence he's had on his younger brother and how he's taught him that this hate is cool and this group of skinheads can be his family. And his brother started to turn to that while he was in jail. And while in jail, he he sort of, you know, finds a different way of thinking about things and tries to pull his brother back. And is it too late? It, it becomes the crux of the movie. And it's uh, it's a damn good one, you know. And we don't. I don't think we even get the answer to that question. So it kind of leaves you haunted, wondering what would have been. Uh, it's it's a movie I've seen a bunch of times, even though it's a difficult watch. I still love it. I it just is. it's such a good, great performances from both actors, and I miss Edward Furlong. Mm. I, I don't care if he got big. I want to. I want him to come back. Somebody does. That's good. All right. <clears throat> Somebody who likes the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I was torn on my number one. I had this one written down, and I was going to go with it, but I, I kept thinking that one of you two would actually steal this as a number one. And I thought, all right, that's good, because then it allows me to put this other one at number one. Now, I don't know what to do here, um, but I'll just go with the one that I have written down. We, well, you were hoping we would steal it so you could... In, in a way, because I had these two sort of... Uh, <laughs> we could do honorable mentions here. Okay. So my number one, the one I'm going to give... Uh, both these are very touching uh, brother relationships, and that's why I, I wanted to mention them both. Um, but I love this one because I think uh, great actors, but also the the love, the bond that they have uh, is so strong, and uh, he cares so much for his younger brother. I'm going with Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio, nice. brothers in 1993's What... What's eating Gilbert Grape? I love the movie. Love this pick. Glad yeah. you to see you put it at number one. There you go. Um, I mean, Gilbert wants nothing more than a normal life, and I think that's why I I I, you're, uh, I, I gravitate towards this movie. Is whenever you're younger, I didn't have you know a, a, a super large mom sitting on her couch, um, but 
it, it still represents that, you know, when you're younger, you just want to have that normal life. Everybody yeah. thinks they're having everything around right. them hectic, you know? Yeah. And I remember really relating to that. So there's Juliette Lewis. He just wants to, you know, well, when you're have young, a relationship you, with her and everybody not have thinks, all these issues, right? <coughs> everybody thinks their family is weird when they're right. a kid. But, sure. but still, that being said, at the end of the day, he still wants to have little old uh, Arnie as his brother, Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and I feels mean, protective. And feels protective of that. And I love that relationship that those two have. Me too. Um, so that I love would, the mom too. I do too, yeah. Uh, that would be my number one is What's Eating Gilbert Grape. The, sure. the honorable mention, I'm going to go first, because go I ahead. love this movie and I, it, it's the one that tears me up the most that I, I remember at a young age thinking, oh, that's me and my brother. Um, probably because we had this on VHS back in the day. Uh-huh. I'm going way back, uh, 1984, I think the movie came out, Red Dawn. Oh, yeah. Great and, one, dude. And the brothers here is Charlie Sheen and Patrick Swayze. And That's, you blew my mind. We would watch this movie, and I remember like being like a little kid and thinking, oh, that's me and my brother, you know? And the ending of this movie has them go uh, put an attack on the, the, the base of the Russians, and then they're supposed to get on a train that's supposed to get them out of town. But the little brother gets shot. And I mean, I would watch this movie and, and constantly want him to get away, even though I knew the ending of this movie, but I cared so much for these two. And of course, just him holding his younger brother. I, yeah, Swayze. Just so emotional. Even talking about it now, let me have some water. It's Jesus. a good one, man. Yeah. What, yeah so those were my two wouldn't have top picked, ones. Picked, you, um, that. I wouldn't have thought of Red Dawn as a brother movie. I, I mean, I know the movie, and I think of it more as like, you know, war mm-hmm. movie, war games mm-hmm. movie. But Wolverines. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Any Are we other? doing our honorable yeah, mention? Yeah, what do you yeah, guys I got? got there? I got a list. Um, I did have Boondock Saints on my list, um, a recent movie that's out, Hell or High Water. Oh, that's a good one. The that Fighter, uh, Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. A uh, movie that was at CCFF, uh, the Chicago Comedy Film Festival, a few years ago called Last Sparks of Sundown, which is a feature about two brothers and their parents die and they take over their kind of castle estate in England. Great, funny film. And then the last one is The Hangover, parts one through three. <laughs> good good call. Um, guys, the Blues Brothers. Hello. Oh, yeah, I thought that would definitely be on someone's list. I left it off, yeah. Darjeeling Limited. Yes, is, that's is, an honorable of mine. Um, the Cohen brothers. I was going to try to piss off Ryan and just say the Cohen brothers. I <laughs> searched really hard. I wanted there to be a brother relationship in um, one of the. Oh, films. brother, where art thou? By the Cohen brothers, <laughs> but there's no. You can make an argument for raising Arizona because the uh, the two brothers that break out of prison. Uh, one is, um, oh man, Roseanne. What's what's his name? Roseanne Arquette? No, no, the guy's the guy from Roseanne. I'm just having a brain fart. Uh, we'll edit this. John Goodman? Yes, thank yeah. you. One is played by John Goodman, and I forget the other brother. But anyway, um, twins, Arnie and... and sure. And, um, you, you guys have guy. mentioned all of mine. The only one not mentioned is uh, Warrior. This was the mm-hmm. MMA fighting movie yeah. where the two brothers end up fighting each other at the end. It's it, touching. It's Marky, Marky Mark, isn't it? No. No, okay. You're thinking of the That's fighter. The fighter. Right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a lot of movies that... You know, I found like a lot of biopics that you could have maybe went with where it's like historical brothers, but I didn't really go with any of those. I didn't think they were that that meaningful, mm. but lots of great choices depending on how, you know, big the roles of the brothers are in right. the film, like you're saying with Raising Arizona or 
If sure. we missed your favorite movie, Brothers, and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet at CinemaJaw, or you can always email us feedback at CinemaJaw.com. What we're going to do here is take a break. When we come back, we have a cinema war looking at who is the more talented wans, plus some movie trivia is going to be played. Stick with us. Hey, Ry, remember how I was telling you about that I use Jiffy to, to fix some of my pipes? Jiffy On Demand? Jiffy On Demand, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's this app that's a sponsor of the show. Basically, that Jiffy On yeah, Demand. that's the one. <laughs> you, you, you pull up the app on your phone, and within a few taps, you're connected to a professional, licensed, bonded, handyman, plumber, carpenter, you name it, electrician, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I had some broken pipes and used the app. Right. And, and to great came, success. So I've been thinking, like, what's something that jawheads might need around their houses? Like, we all have this one thing in common. If you're listening to this podcast, you like movies, right? Sure. So I was thinking, you're a guy who just built his own home theater, right, Ryan? That's right. You probably need a shelf, a nice shelf, not just some crappy one from Ikea that you put up with L brackets and it looks terrible, but a nice shelf for you to put all your DVDs on. That's fantastic. Maybe some movie memorabilia. But I can't hang a shelf. I know. You can't even use a hammer, right? That's correct. But with Jiffy On Demand, you could get the right person to come in that day and build you a shelf, or at least look at it. I just pull up this app, Jiffy Uh On Demand, Mm -hmm. and I'm able to find a handyman that would just hang shelves or something along those lines as well. Maybe you need to wire the speakers, or, you know, I can't put the TV up on the wall because it's going to fall off and break the TV. That's the kind of thing you can use Jiffy On Demand for, Ryan. That's awesome. Where are they located? Can you use them in every city? Well, almost. We're getting to that. But right now, you can use them in Toronto, Ottawa, Boston, and Chicago. Sweet Home Chicago. Jiffy On Demand's the way to go. Right. And if you use the offer code CINEMAJAW, you get 25 bucks off your first Jiffy job. So you probably have a loose wire or a screw that needs turning, something around the house right now. Get it done. Save 25 bucks. Use offer code CINEMAJAW. And we thank Jiffy for their support. Jiffy On Demand, you're the best. Let's all go to the lobby. This week, in honor of Pixar Month, we revisit a great scene from what could be their best masterpiece, Inside Out, when joy, sadness, and bing-bong enter abstract thought. I know a shortcut. Come on, this way. Oh, I'm so glad we ran into you. The station is right through here. After you. Joy, what? Well, I read about this place in the manual. We shouldn't go in there. Bing Bong says it's the quickest way to headquarters. No, but Joy, this is abstract thought. What are you talking about? I go in here all the time. It's a shortcut, you see? D-A-N-G-E-R. Shortcut. I'll prove it to you. Look at me. I'm closer to the station because I'm taking the shortcut. Let's go around. This way. Almost there. If you want to walk the long way, go for it. But Riley needs to be happy. I'm not missing that train. Bing Bong knows what he's doing. He's part dolphin. They're very smart. Well, I guess. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy Hey, Jawheads. It's Matt here with the first riddle of 2020. We're just about ready to wrap this one up. You guys have until March 17th to email us the correct answer at feedback at cinemajaw.com, and here is the riddle. I am almost as ancient as the relics I used to dig. I have loved a princess, a bartender, one who works, and one who may not have been real. I was a swinger long before Austin Powers, but I settled down with 
someone who had dancing babies. You'll never catch me. Who am I? Shoot us your guesses at feedback at cinemajaw.com, and one lucky winner is going to get a Blu-ray of Queen and Slim, among other prizes like Cinemajaw stickers and swag and all kinds of good stuff. So, do your best. And we are back on Cinemajaw, hanging out with Brent Cato from the Chicago Comedy Film Festival, taking place right here in Chicago, March 19th through the 22nd. It's always exciting, right? I mean, right at the uh, the start of the fest. Yeah, very exciting. Very, you know, planning all the stuff, getting all the, the filmmakers organized and, you know, seeing all the actors and kind of a year 10 thinking back to, like, some of these people have been alumni and been in multiple films and, you know, just all, all the looking back at things about how how things have progressed and where some of the people from year one are now and just those sort of quote unquote like success stories. It's great, but it's also very, it's a very frantic time. Again, for the jawheads that may want to participate in the Chicago Comedy Film Festival, best place to do so online is? Yeah, chicagocomedyfilmfestival.com. Come on down, Columbia College, um, 1104 South Wabash and the bustling and happening South Loop and plenty to do around there. There's actually restaurants around these days and it's a great neighborhood to um, investigate and then see some comedy films. There you go. Yeah, I highly recommend this one. And what about uh, filmmakers out there that may want to submit even for next year? Can they do that at uh, the same website? Yeah, through that website, we'll open up submissions here soon. We also are doing, we probably haven't talked about this on the show um, since the last time I was on, but we also are now doing the LA Comedy Film Festival. So that's obviously Ooh, branching Los out. Ant- yeah. Something when we lived in LA, we wanted to do and we never got around to it. We were so busy trying to do all the things that you do when you're in LA to get in the industry. And we did all that and we moved back and we kept going back and forth. And we finally realized that we really wanted, we have so many great LA filmmakers, so many great LA connections. And it's, it's, it's hard to kind of get a lot of those people to come to Chicago. So we just thought we would, you know, bring our, bring our brand out there to LA. So that's going to be actually in November. Um, so we're excited about that and submissions are open for that now. So if you're a comedy filmmaker and you have a finished product and you're listening, check out the LA comedy film festival as well. And I think, um, I'm not sure what the exact web address there is, but, uh, you know, just Google LA comedy film festival. There you go. Yeah. It's growing, Matt. It is. It's Pretty exciting. soon there'll be a New York one. Mm, can't wait. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Toronto. I, Berwyn. Maybe Toronto. I like Toronto's got Just for Laughs, and they kind of like in a way that um, Just for Laughs like just dominates the Toronto comedy scene. It kind of just. Does. I've never really taken part in anything. I know the guy that actually was one of the founders of Just for Laughs, and they actually did it in Chicago for a while, the Just yeah, for Laughs that's right. That's, I remember literally bumping into Martin Short one day on Division Street. Yeah. It was kind of mind-blowing, to tell you the truth. But that didn't last. But they, they I, I, there's probably room for Chicago Comedy Film Festival in Toronto, but I know that they kind of, you know, they're kind of like the second city of Toronto, but maybe even bigger, I would say, with their sort of digital presence and stuff so um maybe toronto but there you go maybe austin yeah branch out i like it can yeah there's no shortage of great film towns that's right don't sleep on berwin all right 
Um, before we get to uh, trivia and before we get to that cinema war, we did throw a few M's into the fish tank. Yeah, a couple. Talk about funny. That producer Pat's a funny guy. Let's open up that fish tank. Wait a moment. It's fish, isn't it? DC, Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a Sicilian message. That means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. We're gonna need a bigger boat. So we did have some questions this week. The first one was how many times Brent has been on Cinema Jaw? And I think I found all of them. Um, from what I could <laughs> find on the website, he's been on five episodes so far. This which, being his sixth, then. Yes. Nice. So those were episode 144, 164, wow. 210, 301, and 377. Wow. There you go. It's a lot Very of good. that's a lot of Brent. Yeah. And then also the the special episode right? one. So yeah. this, you know, six and a half. Six and a half. There you go. Yeah. I know Rye likes the halves to <laughs> and his ratings. So the second question was, which came first, Brave or Cars 2? Brave came out on June 22nd, <laughs> 2012, and Cars 2 was actually before that on June, te- June 18th, 2011. Okay, fine. Thank you. But, Thank I mean, you. it was a sequel. Nobody was expecting much. Brave was an original I Pixar. I was right. That's all I care. <sighs> you were so sure that Brave came out first. I told you it didn't. All right. The next question was, when was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles released? And it was released on March 30th, 1990. Oh, what a terrible so day. So early 90. I was pretty close. I said 89. So what I a terrible day. Bite your tongue. Bite I would have been tongue. a little too old for it. I would have been 16-ish at that time. So Okay. I, I, was, a little, re- I was a little younger than you. Yeah. I don't remember how if it was like... A kids-focused movie, or if it was like a cool for everybody kind of movie. Well, probably the former. It was for former. Matt Kay. It was for Matt Kay. It was definitely for Matt Kay. It was I have, a movie I, made for Matt I still Matt have Kay. all my turtle action figures, guys. It's not a joke, not a lie. Uh, the next question was the name of the documentary about Troy Duffy, um, and that was Overnight, and it was released in 2003. Good documentary. I highly recommend Overnight. it. Overnight. Okay. It's pretty wild. And the last question, last but not least, uh, which came first, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or Boondock Saints? Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels was released in 1998, and Boondock Saints was released in 1999. Hmm. That's too bad for Boondock Saints. Kinda, yeah. Kind of takes away a little bit of its um, cachet. but It does a bit. It does a little bit. But they're different enough, I suppose. It, uh, it's very similar in tone. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities there. I have to rewatch them both sort of back-to-back to remember from, from then. But hmm. There we go. Now everything, Pat? Yep, that was all. Jump back in there. All right, will do. Matt, it brings us to a segment called Cinema War 2000. Cinema War Works like this, Jawheads. Me and Matt, we battle on a topic. Our guest this week, Brent Cato, gets to play judge, jury, and executioner. Tell the Jawheads at home who he thinks won the Cinema War. It was 
an odd topic, but we're looking at the Wayans brothers. That's very odd. Right? Who is the more talented Wayans brother you're fighting for? Damon Wayans. I'm fighting for Marlon Wayans. Let's let the cinema war begin. Ryan, homie, don't play that. Damon Wayans is over a decade older than his little brother Marlon. Age equals experience, and there's just more experience in the career of Damon Wayans. Marlon is just riding his coattails an apprentice to Damon's expert. Ah, Matt, Marlon Wayans, the comedic genius behind the little man, is funnier than Damon Wayans, and he also has more range. Need proof of that range? Watch White Chicks. I don't think I want to. Marlon Wayans did G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, and Ryan, I hated it. While it's true that Damon has had some flops, blank man, he's had way more hits, and The Last Boy Scout is actually an under-celebrated classic. But where is Damon Wayans gone? Hollywood can be a tough place. You need to be able to brush yourself off and get back to work after a misfire. A great example of this, Marlon Wayans, in the complete turd of a movie, The Lady Killers. I mean, you finally get in a Coen Brother movie, and it's their only dud. What does he do? He gets right back up and makes, you guessed it, white chicks. You keep saying white chicks like that's a good thing, man. Both brothers were in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucka, but Marlon's role was a bit part. Damon's had some bit parts, including a very unforgettable appearance in Beverly Hills Cop, Roxanne, and The Last Action Hero. Even Damon's cameos are better than his brother's. Before he would become known as the great actor from White Chicks, we got a taste of Marlon's serious side when he turned up in Requiem for a Dream as a drug addict. Damon Wayans could never take a chance like this. Wow. I can't believe you you actually said that sentence. Listen, this is about movies, so I won't mention how Damon co-created In Living Color and how he was fired from SNL for improving a character that would go on to be a huge hit on said former show. I won't mention that, Ryan, but what did Marlon create? Scary movies and white chicks. And I'm saying that those are terrible, okay? More like Requiem for a Career. All right. When you're watching White Chicks, it's clear that Marlon Wayans has the ability to elevate the talent talent around him. Such is the case in one of the best spoof films of all time, Scary Movie. So good in the in the genre, he returned for Haunted House 1 and 2. Marlon can be serious, funny, and above all entertaining. Pound for pound, he's the best Wayan. I feel like you just threw this match. No way. Wow. White Chicks. We are buttonheads here as we do each and every week. We throw it to our guest, our jury. Brent, what did you think of this cinema war? I mean, basing it on the two arguments, it's, it's really tough. Your arguments were both, were both weak. <laughs> um, they're, they're both these, these two particular brothers of this very prolific family. These are the two that have done the most. Um, they're both very successful and I'm going to, I, Rye was right around the cusp of it. And if he could have like sort of got a hold of this one, he could have hit a grand slam with it, but he kind of whiffed on it. But I'm going to give, I'm going to give Rye the win. Oh, <laughs> you just said he whiffed on it. 
Well, he was, it was like, that maybe wasn't the right word. If he would have, if he would have connected with it, it would have been a grand slam. Instead, it was like a two-run single. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'll take it. Right. The thing about the thing about Marlon Wayne's, and I mean, I hope I'm right about this, <laughs> is that the scary movie was sort of like that was a a, a pinnacle comedy film, and a, it would hit on making fun of like something that was so um, prevalent at the time with those kind of scary movies. But he was also the writer of that, not just the star. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure um, who else was involved with that. But I think that that alone gives him – and you kind of were getting there with – Scary movie. You said white chicks three times too many. I think he said it four times. Well, three times too many. Oh man! But Requiem for a Dream. He's he's great in Requiem for a Dream. Um, You mentioned Lady Killers, which it's like, I mean, yeah, he. It's kind of like at least he got in the conversation. Um, Damon has done some amazing things, but I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna give it give it to Rye because it's great. He was he was right there. He was. He was close enough. All right, fair enough. Um, I understand that the James Bond movie has been pushed back. Have you heard this? No. Breaking news. Yeah, I'm hearing uh, rumors they're pushing it back because of the coronavirus. For real? That's what I'm hearing. Uh, Rumors are that they're going to push back the the date of it because uh, they want to, they're fearing, you know. People people won't go out to theaters. theaters. Everybody calm down. We're going to be okay. Yeah, that's The news is running a, a bit crazy around you. Well done. You Good use of your time. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but remember to wash your hands, Matt, and others out there. Yeah. yeah. But that's, that's true That's just in anything. general. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm saying just in general, because like Matt has really bad hygiene. That's not true. Okay. But um, <laughs> it's not, a good good time to remind that's people. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, I know as I'm <clears throat> chomping on cough drops over here. All right. I got young kids. Brent, get ready. Uh, You're going to get go. sick when they go to school. Yeah. Trivia. In honor of Bloodshot, we're playing Bloodshot movie trivia. All right, Jawheads, it's time once again for Cinema Trivia, where one lucky contestant gets to take on Matt Kay in the hot seat. Starring your host, Rye the Movie Guy! Think of movies with either blood or the movie, or the word shot in the title. Brent, you're our guest. You get to choose if you want to go first. Let Matt go first. There are steals, and if you get hung up on any questions, you get one trip into the fish tank for a pick-me-up, Pat. Out of my six and a half visits on Cinema Jaw, trivia has been one of my worst. <laughs> I have maybe gotten one right each time. So I am going to just go first and get 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 the <laughs> get the blood. Get the axe swinging. Yeah, get the blood shed on. Question one in Bloodshot Movie Trivia to Brent. The first time we meet Sylvester Stallone's John Rambo was in this 1982 film. Bloodsport. Brent, how did you get that wrong? That is incorrect. And I would have loved to seen Rambo in Bloodsport. Oh, I'm I'm missing what the, the... Blood. The, it's blood, not blood in the title or blood. Yeah, yeah blood, blood in, in the, the title. title. Oh, okay. Then what do I you guess got I'm here? not. It's first blood. First blood is correct. Blood or shot in the title. Gotcha. Mm. 
Uh, question two over to Matt K. These were both supposed to be easy, so don't yell at me here, Brent. Uh, question two to Matt. In 1977, Paul Newman made a hockey movie. It's a sports classic. Slapshot. One, uh, also a good nothing. brother movie, two to nothing. Yeah, as it turns out. It is. I think You're I right. saw that one on some lists. Two to nothing. Question three over to Brent. Seth Rogen starred with this actress last year in the political romantic comedy Long Shot. Name the actress. Seth Rogen and who in Long Shot? This one sh- should be easy too, but I'm not even remembering the movie. What's the? No, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna waste my pick on this one. I, I wouldn't even know with a clue, so I'm just gonna pass. I'll save it. I'll save it. I know it. Oh boy, this is not good. Um, Charlize Theron. I don't like blood, where this is going. Blood bath. <laughs> I think I've gotten better at trivia. It's well, weird. Did nothing, you guys do it every week, and it's kind of like the muscle of yeah. But I should. Uh, I don't think I would have got any of those anyway. All right, here we go. Question four over to Matt. Matt, name the Cohen brothers' first directed film. It came out in 1984 and starred a young Francis McDormand. Wow, wow. Oh, it's either got blood or shot in the title. Um, 1984? Believe it or not, 1984, Coen Brothers' first directed film. I mean, I, thought, I honestly thought Raising Arizona was their first film. What, what question number is this? This is question four. You're up three to nothing. Uh, you pass. might as well take a guess. Uh, well, okay, all right. Here's my guess. Bloodsport. <laughs> Brent, you got a chance for a steal is this here. Worth, is this worth five? <laughs> Blood Simple. It is Blood Simple. Quality film, for especially for a first effort. I don't even really remember it that well, but he I is remember the, the title. Because yes. of the blood clue, I would have not guessed <laughs> it without that. All right, it is three to one, and question five is over to Brent. He can crawl right back into the game here. Name the actor who starred as Topper Harley in the 1991 spoof film Hot Shots. If you don't know it, you have a lifeline. I'm going to use a life lifeline. I think wow. I got a handle on it. I just need a little push. Pick me up, Pat. Pat, who starred in Hot Shots? Your clue for this one is Tiger Blood. <laughs> Charlie Sheen. That's who I thought it was. Yep. That clue didn't help me at all. <laughs> That's who I thought it was originally. That was his big uh, 2013 social media thing, Tiger Blood, winning. Oh, wow. You don't yeah, remember that? Yeah, I do That's remember the, the thing, but I, don't, I remember the, the hey, moment, but not the We have a phrase. ball game. It's three to two, question six over to Matt. In 1967, Matt, Robert Blake starred in this film that was based on Truman Capote's true crime novel. Name it. Well, the novel is In Cold Blood, so I'll guess that, In Cold Blood. Four to two. We need these next two questions here. Uh, Back over to Brent. Question seven. We all know that Daniel Day-Lewis starred as Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood, but what actor played Pastor Eli Sunday in the film? 
Brent knows this one. He just is uh, shaking his head, trying to trying to have that answer pop into the too back deep, of the head. Too deep in the recesses. Um, Who else starred in There Will Be Blood? I, I, it's there, but I'm not going to dig it up in that amount of time. In the amount of time. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of the scene. I drink your milkshake. Yeah, I, That's the guy, right? And I don't. I I can see his face, but I don't know his name either. What question number is this? This is question seven. All right, I'll 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 take a clue. I'll wow. take a I'll take a second non-point <laughs> scoring because I think I have, might have it now. All right, if ahead. I get it wrong. I'll yeah, yeah, of course. Throw Who it back to you. Starred and there will be blood with Daniel Day Lewis. Your clue for this one is that their initials are PD. I hate the initials clue. Mm. I really do. Peter Dinklage. No, it wasn't Peter Dinklage. We're looking I'm for, shocked. This is it's these two actors look alike and I not, now know who it is from the clue and it's coming back but it's Paul Dano. It is Paul Dano. Yeah, it is Paul Dano. That's correct. Oh, I thought for sure it was Peter Dinklage. <laughs> All right, last question of the game. Matt, you won this one. Okay. Um, Shock. Yeah, but the last question of the game is over to you as you're winning 4-2. to two. Speaking of hockey movies, Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze made one that came out in 1986. Name that film. I don't know, but that sounds amazing. Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze in a hockey movie? Sign me up. I don't think I've seen it. Blood on the Ice. Ooh, that's a nice title. <laughs> Incorrect. Any guess here, Brent? Um, Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze. Vaguely remember the the film, but the title is again way too far down in there. It is called Roadhouse. Shot of Ice. <laughs> Roadhouse on Ice. Yeah. We were looking for Young Blood. Oh, young Blood. I wouldn't have guessed that. No, I mean, wow, can I get a handshake yeah. here? Matt wins fist this bump, one, 4-2. Yeah, yeah. uh, Another it, defeat for me. If it came down to a tie, we call it a jawbreaker. This question would have been to Brent. Better actor in their prime, Sylvester Stallone or Charlie Sheen? Wow. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, with Sly, I think. In his prime, he was, you know, the stuff, the movies that he was in weren't quite the kind of stuff that you would consider great cinema, but I feel like he was, he was acting Sheen. I don't know. I feel like he was sort of just. Uh, it's incorrect. It was Charlie Sheen. I was really letting him go on there no for a while. No way. You're absolutely correct, though, Brent. It was Sylvester Stallone. All right. Sheen was doing those, like, 80s. The, the yeah. real jawbreaker is this. I switched it up here. How many feature films have the Coen brothers directed? Matt, you got to guess. Closest to. Eight. Uh, that might be way low. Way Fuck low. Him at eight. Way That's low. A, I'm going to go double. Yeah, I was going to say. 16. We'll give that one to Brent. 18, 18 films directed by the Coen Well, I had the eight, right? Oh, my goodness. Stick with ages, I guess we'll do. Uh, yeah, I was trying to... Uh, it, it was The question was more like, how many Coen Brothers films can you name? And <laughs> Eight. Right, there you go. That's good. Uh, 
Good stuff. Brings us to the end of a great show. And first and foremost, got to thank our guest, Brent, for coming course, on. Yeah, thank Always you. a pleasure. And congratulations again on the uh, the family growing. Of course. We're, we're excited. And um, if you come to the film festival, maybe you'll catch a peek of him. He Ooh. might be in a stroller strolling around. Nice. Never know. Got to meet this kid someday. Yeah. We also got to thank our producer, producer Pat. Yeah, guys. Thanks. Uh, it, was a, it was a good time. Matt, we also got to thank our sponsors. Yeah, thanks to Overcast and Jiffy On Demand and the Chicago Podcast Co-op who help us get great sponsors like them. If you want to support Cinema Jaw, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. While you're there, click subscribe. One extra button helps us tremendously. Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on jawing about, about the movie. movie.